The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. This is a 680 The Fan podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune in to 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download The Fan app. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we take pride in our family-owned and operated business. Hi, I'm Stacy Ellis, Vice President of the Jim Ellis Automotive Group. When my granddad, Jim Ellis, founded our company in 1971, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, my dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. Today, third-generation family members like myself, along with the support of more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values our company was founded on. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we try harder because we sincerely value your satisfaction. That's why we've been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of our 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, still family-owned and operated and where you can always expect the best. the final hour of Chuck and Chernoff on a Monday. What fun we are having. He is the king, Chuck Oliver. Steve West, the venerable one. Yeah, I don't know that person. I'm merely Mike Morgan. You might not know me. I fill in from time to time. They just let me out of the cage like the gimp in Pulp Fiction. I just stay there in chains and they say, hey, Chuck and Chernoff, you free? I jump at the opportunity to be with my radio brethren. What's the next uh, hoops game? Uh, I, I've got the Florida Gators against Vandy. I'll be in Gainesville on Saturday. In fact, it's a back for back to back. I got the Gators on Saturday and Wednesday. Just had Georgia, Florida on uh, this past Saturday. Great crowd at the Steg. Georgia fans. By the way, Georgia fans are showing up. Like they're actually showing up to the, even despite the losing streak. It's not going to be an NCAA tournament year. But I love the fact that they're supporting what's, the team. What's the feel of the building? And I'm asking strictly from the standpoint, like, you've been to Little John for any reason? Every Recently. one of them, absolutely, okay. many times. Little John is an ancient, ancient, old actual building. Very. 
they've done a pretty decent job of fooling you when you walk in there. Yeah. Like they've, you know, refurbished it. Yeah. Georgia Tech, like they kind of fool you a little bit. Sometimes, you know, it shows it. But what yeah. about Stegman? Because they have over and over and over put money into it. And I don't think they're done yet either. From what I talked to a Georgia official while I was there, there's talk about more moves coming. Now, honestly, does it feel like a like dressed up old building? It feels like a dressed up old building. Okay. Yes. Now, That's fine. now, so you've so, been in Maravich Assembly Center. Chuck, I've been oh. to everyone dozens of times. That is uh, a bit antiquated. Yeah. They used to have a Pistol Pete machine on the corridor that would just nonstop loop classic Pistol Pete highlights, and I would just sit there and be mesmerized but by it. But the building is, again, it's this beat-up old building. It's a beat-up old building. Yeah. The, the way it goes, like Rupp Arena, you can't beat it. Uh, if, if you look around the, the SEC, Tennessee, when Bruce Pearl got there, they were very successful. They cut out seats and put in suites which is a trend that we're seeing all over in football stadiums, right? It's not about having the biggest in terms of attendance. It's about having the nicest and bringing in the most revenue. Uh, Fayetteville, you know, Bud Walton Arena, outstanding. But honestly, for a place like Georgia or LSU or Clemson with Little John, if you pack it, it's going to be a cool place to be. And if you don't, it's going to suck. And Georgia right now is drawing crowds, which gives me hope that that can be a good environment moving forward. I was at the Tennessee game uh back in January, and it was sold out. And Georgia had won nine games in a row at that point right. when I got there. 10,523, absolutely crazy. Went down and saw the Road Dog and, and Scott Howard and, and Chuck Dowdle before the game. Chuck Dowdle was telling me that last time Georgia had won nine games in a row. Coach? Shug Jordan, Shug Jordan <laughs> was the basketball coach. That's right. In those days. That's right. He also told me that that wall at the one end of the Coliseum where the murals are right now, Next year is going to be the largest video board in the Southeastern Conference. That is the talk. That's yes. not nothing. And, right. again, I was one of these guys for years that beat the drum that Georgia needs a new arena to prove they're serious about basketball. But now in my old age, there's something to be said for one of these retro, older venues that's been around for a while as long as they continue to make the modern upgrades and they've upgraded that building and it no yeah. longer feels like a rodeo arena that's it feels true. like an intimate basketball without, setting without question okay have you been in Ole Miss or Auburn's joint I've yes. heard great things about the Ole Miss joint. They, they decided to take the now those are two places with land um Ole Miss and Auburn were like mm, yeah all right screw it we're gonna build an NBA arena and so they built an NBA-ish arena for college basketball in two places with no heritage. So, and you know um, what they did? Now too? they also had land. They had real estate to work with. They had some choices. So, but the other thing they did, Chuck, is both those arenas seat just under ten thousand because they'd rather have it full than just have more seats that are oh, empty yeah, yeah. when you're not good. And that's size-wise, but talk the amenities, the feel, the niceness, the new car smell, yeah. like it's it's real. Oh, they've done good work. And, and I will tell you this, and I've said this on air before, calling games on SEC Network, ESPN, what have you, Auburn, which was the one of the worst places. Oh, gosh, Joel Beardies. Awful. Oh, ah, Awful. Ah. It was a more oh, fun program. Indeed. Can I get a mo- little more Chuck Dowdle? Can I get one more of those? My old ma- my old partner on the Braves post game. Coach, show. you there? Thank you. Auburn's um, Coliseum was an ashtray. It, it was an it was it was bad and it, it ter- and no buzz, no juice, no nothing. Bruce has turned Auburn Arena into one of the best home court advantages in the country. Now, I I know they took it on the chin against Kentucky. That is one of the loudest arenas in the country, and I never thought I'd be saying that about Auburn basketball. So if Auburn can do it. 
to your point, Steve West, Georgia can do it. And Mike White's got some players coming in. They will be better next year. Where are you on Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa? Does that need an upgrade? Have they not benefited at all from the football success? They, that building's old. They could use a new arena. And NATO wants one. And even Alabama every now and then has to say, look, we don't just have a blank check. But there's been a lot of talk about that, yes. Without without And Auburn gets a brand new one. Why can't we have a brand new one? You know how that goes. That's definitely... Definitely a thing. Wow, we just we just got a couple minutes of college basketball. How about us, look at look at us. Who says you can't do that in a top ten market until the month of March? We don't say that. We cover all the bases here on Chuck and Chernoff, including unmatched Atlanta Braves coverage. And the skipper Brian Snitker had a chance to sit down today, spring training, the uh, the fine dynamic duo of Nick Cellini and Chris Domino in Northport, talking to Snit and asked him. World Series or bust this year? Is that the case? Because it just tells me the guys feel like we have a really good team. They have high expectations for themselves, as do I. I mean, I have high expectations for our club. I mean, um, we expect to do well. We expect to win. Like I said, it's a big difference than when I first got here. When I and I, t- I used to say that I used to drive to the ballpark and hope we won. And we knew we'd have to do everything and play pretty much a perfect game to win. And then all of a sudden. I remember making that drive one day, and it's like, you know what? I expect to win now, and that, that's a big difference. That's kind of where the players are right now. They're asked that same question all the time. There's no doubt what the goal is. You bounced uh, back-to-back years in the divisional round. That is not the goal this season. So blatant like, yeah. and so upfront with the very beginning yeah. for the players, for the pitchers first, and now that all the position players are showing up, it's going to be the same thing there and the uh, skipper um, to talk about that so just Matter of factly, even I guess is the the, the way. It's yeah. Just, uh, oh yeah. It's just a talking point. Well, look, most they're the, pros. They know how good they are. Most of the guys on that roster were there for the last World Series championship. Yeah. There's basically two questions that need to be answered here during spring training, and that's number one: who's going to be the fifth starter? Yeah, taken for granted that the first four are going to remain healthy, and then who are the last two guys on the bench? There's not a lot of questions here. No. And and and, and for, for those like sweating bullets over that, there's not a a team in baseball that's not concerned, you know, having a battle for the number five starter for a couple of back end bullpen options and for a guy off the bench. Like that, those are, those are, you know, first world problems. I, I think the favorite for the fifth starter was on the nationally all-star staff last year. And he's kind of the, he has to be the favorite for five. Cause he ain't Charlie. He ain't sale. He ain't max. He ain't strider. Right. And so he was on the all-star team last year. Yeah. And I have to be the second half. I kept waiting for it to just be no, no, no. He's going to still be Bryce Elder, and he never was. And so he's going to spring training like Fulty was an all star. And you saw yeah. how it goes. Yeah, for whatever reason, hit a little bit of a wall in the second half for sure. Uh, one of the guys you just mentioned, Chuck, Chris Sale, uh, Brian Sicker, having some thoughts on the addition of the talented left hander. First thing I thought of was a man who I love having a left-hander like that in our division. And then when I talked to him, it was even better, um, even better. This just I could just hear the excitement in his voice and, and the anticipation of being here was really, really good. And, and just to know how well he threw at the end of the year last year, you know, it, it, so it was really exciting to get a guy of that quality um, and put him in the mix. Keep him healthy. I, I don't care what his numbers are in April and May. I really don't. Baller. I, I don't Baller, care. Baller, tough, gamer, all of that. I don't need him out there every five if days. If he's healthy, you're right, yeah. man. Just this is this is a, for my money, this team in the regular season is already built to win a lot of games without Chris Sale. I want Chris Sale ready to go 
the the tank is full September October. I'm really not concerned about April May. I'm just not. Well, again, it goes back to how healthy does the staff remain? How many different pitchers started games for the Braves by the time we got to the All Star break last year? And to your point about Bryce Elder, where would this team have been early in the year without the emergence of Bryce Elder in that in that starting role? So again. We, we, you look at all things being equal here and the Braves, let's say they maintain health. There's no doubt about it. They should not be shy about talking about winning the World Series as being the goal. But over 162, you get thrown some curveballs, not just when you're standing in a batter's box. I think this team is built to weather that as well. Chuck, if I said uh, there's a new sheriff in town and his name is, you would say. Reggie Hammond. Exactly. If I said for the Braves, there's a new left fielder in town, you would say his name is. Jared Kelnick. And that's exactly who Brian Snitker comments on. I'm excited to see he's another one. I'm ex- I can't wait for the games to start just so, you know, we can plug him in and see. I've just heard all about all the talent. I was watching him hit today, um, everything that this young kid brings. And, and um, I'm excited for the games to start, to, you know, for the guys that I don't know to see him and, and, um, and see what we have. Finally, uh, Brian Sitker uh, still jacked up for spring training after all these years, what he's looking for during the next month or so. The drive down here is still one of my favorite things to do over the course of the years, that that, that drive to spring training, because you are, you're excited. I mean, you sit there and, you know, you wonder if you got everything packed and you're not really, don't know if you're ready to leave, but once you get on the interstate like that, man, it's it's you know it, it's a really good feeling. And then to come to a place like this is just, it, it really does, it gets you all jacked up. We didn't get the audio, but Snit later added, it's not the same without Chuck Oliver here. So maybe it's just not. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why don't you fly and then like rent a Corvette for two months? You know, because he goes down a little bit early. So it'd be about fly. What are you doing driving? Maybe he likes to drive. Maybe he's got the 60s on six on his <laughs> Sirius or whatever. And it worked for John Madden, you know, AM Gold. Yeah. <laughs> He took a lot of long bus rides on his way to uh, the top of the Braves food chain. He's we, been a Brave since 1977. We, Maybe he enjoys uh, like every last minute behind the wheel I as Brian that's Snicker. It. Yeah, we, we we talked about this in the handoff, but I, I'm just I'm so happy for. I, I like to see a success story of anybody who grinds and gets rewarded at the end. I remember those years of of doing some of those spring training games and Gwinnett games, and Snicker was uh, there was a guy before, and I can't even remember his name. He got fired. Snit became the guy, that the new AAA manager for Gwinnett. And you're like, okay, well, this guy will be here for a couple of years, and there'll be another guy, and you'll never see Brian Snitker again. And then for him to get the call to, to take the Braves' managerial job and then to go on and win the World Series and continually have the Braves in contention for postseason, uh, it, it is a really good story. And I'm glad that uh, for some of the people that are like, oh, he's not qualified. Anytime they didn't you know, win the World Series, uh, we can do better. I think all that's subsided now, right? Like he's got he's got a lot of cred, just he's got a lot of sweat equity already in this thing. Snit? Yeah. Oh, he's a Braves Hall of Hell. He might be a major league Hall of Famer. Yeah. They won a World Series this year. It was a long time ago, but I remember He's pushing he was, a decade now, yeah. He, he was the third base coach for the Braves and got demoted. He did to get the demoted. Minors. And it was, oh, we're gonna yeah. give him some experience. And yeah. I'm like, no, it's because the major major yeah. league manager oh, didn't want him around. Well, yeah, but there, there there was a couple of years where he was the manager and like if the Braves every every time something didn't go right, uh, we gotta get somebody else. And I and I get it. I mean, people just they go through managers it, it's like a bodily function, right? There's a lot of major league teams, something's not going right on a losing streak, fire the manager, bring in somebody new. And it's a vicious cycle. 
the Braves have continuity. They have consistency in the front office. They have consistency with Snit. Uh, I think it's a pretty undervalued facet of this organization that a lot of teams in MLB, quite frankly, don't have. All right, coming up, we're supposed to have a race, but it didn't take place, and Westy is on the case. That's a. Did you write that? That's a beauty. That, that is no, I didn't. I can't take credit for that. I'm, I'm going to submit that to somebody. 16 minutes past the hour of five o'clock. Chuck and Chernoff on 680 The Fan and 93.7 FM. They've covered a lot here on the show through the first few hours. Braves baseball, NBA All-Star Weekend, NFL Draft, college football. If you had Daytona 500 on your bingo card and you're wondering where is Westy going to chime in? I'm here. Give us some breakdown. This is the time. Bingo. Westy, take it away. Well, we're underway at Daytona, and Chase Elliott, Georgia's own, is in the lead. Of course, the race delayed by a day because of weather, and this has been a consistent problem for NASCAR going back to last year. 17 of the first 25 events last year affected by the weather. That's either the Infinity Race or the Truck Race or the Cup Race. And this year, NASCAR's two for two. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yesterday, rain all day, so they postponed the race till today. And then two weeks ago, I was out in California for the clash at the L.A. Coliseum third year of a three-year deal. I had to see this before it goes away. Fellas, to see a one-quarter mile bull ring laid out on the floor of that ancient and iconic venue uh, there in Southern California, it's absolutely mind-blowing. I was there long enough to see the NASCAR Mexico Series qualify before I had to go down to Long Beach to see Long Beach State and UC San Diego play basketball at the Pyramid. And uh, <laughs> someone at the basketball game asked me, well, what are you doing here? I'm going to the NASCAR race tomorrow. NASCAR race is going on right now. On a dime, NASCAR looked at the next storm coming into California and decided, we're just going to go ahead and run the race on Saturday night. As bad as the traffic was going to Long Beach on the 110 freeway, there's no way I was getting back into that. But I did at least see stock cars running around a quarter-mile track on the floor of the L.A. Coliseum, guys. It was surreal. Have you been to Bristol in person? Yes, I have. Comparable based on what you saw on TV? Bristol is a half-mile uh, oval, whereas at the Coliseum, basically— You're on a tabletop. The, the track that runs around your local high mm. school football stadium, that's what they were running on. It was just unbelievable to see that. The event was very successful the first two years— Obviously, the weather messed it up this year. We know about California Speedway being demolished. They want to build that into a half-mile short track out there in Fontana. But there's been no building permits issued. So NASCAR is going to stay in that market in one form or another, but they won't be at the Coliseum next year. The talk is maybe up there at Irwindale at the the short track. But uh, definitely that was something I wanted to see. And I think there could be more stadium races in NASCAR's future. We just saw the NHL stadium series this weekend. I was watching the uh, Flyers and the Devils and then the Islanders and the Rangers up there from MetLife. Uh, It would have to be a warm weather venue, uh, probably out west, but I think we have not seen the last of NASCAR racing on a short track in a stadium-type setting. Uh, The Coliseum, interesting. And to see that hallowed uh, facility and all the great moments from the past, they get ready to hold their host their third Olympic Games here in 2028 there. Uh, University of Southern California bought the Coliseum a few years back, and they're making the most of it. 
uh, getting the rent money for things like this NASCAR but, race. So the Dodgers and Red Sox played an exhibition game yeah, there a few years not ago. Not everything fits into the Coliseum. And the Coliseum ain't changing. Like, it's no. what it is. But they have played Major League Baseball there. Yeah. Um, you've seen all kinds. Like, the you, Dolphins went 17-0 and on that field in 72. Evil Knievel had a jump. Where he had to start to ramp, like go yep. watch Evil Knievel at the Coliseum. It's unbelievable, but not everything fits because it's there for kind of one reason. Yeah, interesting. Went down to Englewood too and saw SoFi Stadium, which I know oh. holds a near and dear place <clears throat> in a lot of Georgia Bulldog uh, fans' yeah. hearts. That's where they won the back-to-back <clears throat> uh, Natty. There saw the completely gutted and rebuilt Fabulous Forum. The Intuit Arena for the Clippers, uh, which is going to host the All-Star Game in two years, uh, that's online. So I got to see some things that I, I hadn't seen before in uh, Inglewood, including something else I haven't seen a lot of in Inglewood. White people. Yeah, it's uh, really changing down there in uh, Inglewood, California. They were always there, <laughs> but uh, there's more of them now. Gentrification, I believe. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Term, yes. actually. Yeah. It's like, like buying up neighborhoods and such. I think you're correct. Uh, something else I didn't have on my bingo card, a demographic uh, ba- breakdown of the population never, there. Never a dull moment. So, <laughs> you, Westy, you always seem to throw me a curveball. Uh, SoFi Stadium's immaculate. I, I, I've had a chance to, to go there a couple times. It is now, you, you learn quickly what a billion dollars or so will do or five billion, whatever it is. It's an open-air stadium, it but it has a fourth a... wall. What's that? How does it not have the fourth wall? Like, what? How can it rain inside the stadium? For the Georgia National Championship game. It's an open-air stadium that has a roof, which is unique. Yeah, yeah. But I I like having some open air. I don't like it being in a dome. So to me, it's got kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think you're right. The field is covered. It barely rains there anyway, except when it has like a torrential downpour, which is, I think, is what they're going through right now in Southern California. Uh, by the way, maybe Lincoln Riley will do something worthwhile in the Coliseum here in the near future. Well, we'll see can't, about that. There? Certainly can't coach a defense. Goodness gracious. Um, not getting their money's worth just yet there on that deal. All right. Uh, I'll tell you a guy who definitely earns his money. Brooks Austin. I mean, that guy crushes it on the regular for Dogs Daily. He's had a lot to cover here. Most recently, the loss of Brian McClendon. Spring ball here before you know it. A couple of dogs should be high on the NFL draft boards. He handles it all. Talking Georgia football with us. Brooks, how are you? I'm doing well. Every time I hear somebody talk about the future of college football, I envision watching a cat pull a singular string out of a ball of yarn, and then it's like, ooh, another one popped out. And then their little paws go over there, and they pull that one, and they go, ooh, another one popped out. Then they go over there, and then you just watch that cat play with that ball for about five minutes. I'm glad to be the cat in that uh, analogy, Brooks, uh, although I'd rather be a dog, but that's a whole story. Brooks, <laughs> up, update us on uh, the news when you heard it and, and what Bulldog Nation, how they are reacting. Again, as we were talking about earlier, this is kind of becoming the new normal, but losing a, a coach like Coach McClendon kind of out of the blue and, and how that sets everything going forward. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I, I think the – I was looking at it today. Most of the coordinating positions have settled in the NFL, but it's funny how these calendars work. A whole lot of calendar talk around these times of the years, but the, the NFL calendar doesn't really settle till late February. So you, as a as a Georgia head coach, kind of have to fend off your staff all the way in, all the way basically into March because of all the NFL jobs that people are getting offered. Brian McClendon, a prime example, right? He just took a lateral move to the NFL. He was the Wide receivers coach and, and passing game coordinator at the University of Georgia. He got the same exact title for an NFL organization in Tampa. Um, I, th- I think that speaks a little bit to, to Brian McClendon, but also just the nature of the, the title of the job at Georgia. It, it's not necessarily on par 
with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but Brian McClendon's on par and can make that lateral move like that. Um, but in terms of, you know, just the state of college football, I think a lot of people run to the take of these college coaches don't want to be worked like this. And I, I totally, you know, am sympathetic to that. These guys are working way too hard for, you know, they get paid a lot of money, but they are working obscene hours at this point in time. Brooks, the approach at receiver has got my attention in Athens. They did it again this year into the portal, and you know what I'm talking about here. Um, we, we all say, we all say, oh, receivers, you have to be on the same page, and you experience your quarterback. And I'm watching Athens and thinking, yeah, they want a bunch of guys where they can call that play where, and you're going to be better than the corner. Like, that's basically the play they call. Um, talk about their approach and then the portal and then some of these individuals because – they change guys and replace them in a way that we always insist is an issue, and it's not an issue. Yeah, most of their high school signings that have, like, really turned out for them have been, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage and closer to the ball, um, including the tight end room, the running back room, the quarterback room, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers. Um, quarterback's been great. Safety's been great. But you look at the rest of their roster, uh, you know, you look directly at the wide receiver room like you're talking about. you got names like Colby Young. Um, you know, Michael Jackson, the third London Humphreys coming in. Uh, you need a big year from Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett guys that came in last year. Those are five names in a room in the wide receiver room. You really only travel about seven or eight guys. You go on to, uh, you know, homegrown quote unquote homegrown talents like Dylan Bell and Anthony Evans and Tyler Williams. And you look really, really quickly at the roster in that room. And you're like, dang, we have really leaned on the portal a lot more in the last couple of years. And now, your roster is solely dependent, not solely dependent, but mainly dependent upon five guys that have been developed elsewhere that you're hoping to to squeeze some juice out of here at the University of Georgia. And I think that might be more of a microcosm of the sport. Like you look at the positions that are really, really expensive, uh, particularly on the wide receiver market um, or in the high school market. Wide receiver is a relatively expensive position. Um, running back is a position that you've seen Georgia kind of quote unquote miss on the recruiting trail as of late. That is a disproportionately expensive position on the high school recruiting trail right now. Um, and if you do a modicum of research, you will find out relatively quickly that Georgia isn't one of these massive spenders on the recruiting trail. So you might see them have to lean more on other resources at other positions like, you know, wide receiver and running back. He is Brooks Austin. He's the editor for Dogs Daily, joining us here on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker Line. Brooks, we were talking a moment ago. Obviously, it's a transition period right now with name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, all the money. you got a quarterback has got a $300,000 Lamborghini, legally, I might add. Um, how long do you think it's going to take for a new breed of coaches or maybe the existing group of coaches to figure out this is for me? Is it going to be another year or two, five years, a decade? Never, because it seems like it's going to take a certain breed of coach to be able to survive in this brave new world of college football. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about it today. I've always, like, Kirby's always, Kirby Smart, for example, has always seemed like he's approaching it with the hopeful uh, idea that someone will eventually legislate this stuff. Um, I think that's what the, the coaches who hope to do this forever that's what they're hopeful for when I speak to them, that maybe one day soon, hopefully, somebody will enact some type of legislation. And I think what you saw with the Big Ten and the SEC basically coming together and holding their hands out in public and taking a photo together, photo together and say, hey, guys, we're going to work together, and, and we know things are messed up, and we're going to make sure everyone's aligned so we can attack all of these issues together. I, obviously, I think the, the most important thing for college football 
is to have some type of legislation. But because of the way the NCAA bylaws are written and because we get into this talk about pay for play and whether or not athletes or students or athletes or whether or not they're employees, um, those are real macro discussions that honestly we've been having about, you know, college sports and particularly college revenue producing sports, a la football. Only for the last maybe decade, decade and a half, maybe 15 years, it's, it sounds like a massive issue. It sounds like we've been rushed upon this, um, but it, it's a relatively new in, you know, issue when you talk about the landscape of football that we've been playing since the 1880s and playing college sports since the 1920s. Brooks, I want to ask you a question about Carson Beck because you know we were talking a lot of NFL draft on this show and, and for guys going in the first round, the second round. I mean, certainly Carson Beck, had he elected to go pro, uh, could have been a guy, maybe second-round pick. Uh, this year, I know that's not top on his mind. Top on his mind is getting back to the national championship game and, and winning a national championship for Athens a, thir- a third in four years. But what do you hear about Carson Beck in terms of things he wants to improve on and what thing, uh, things that maybe – NFL scouts that want to see what they want to see from him to propel him into the first round. So first of all, the, the Lambo truck has to be leased. Correct boys. No way he bought that. <laughs> um, and Poor investment. Secondly, he drives off the lot, the depreciation. Amen. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's say, you know, we don't have to get a pocket watching, but I mean, come on, he ain't got no bills. What else he going to spend his money on? <laughs> um, so hey, it's surely it's leased. But anyways, um, with regards to improvement, um, I mean, he was almost 73% completion percentage last year. He was 4,000 yards passing. I think I was top five in the sport. Uh, they were second in the country in third down conversion percentage. Um, I don't know how much room for improvement there is. I think the NFL, and you saw that with the second-round grades, I, I had it as close to about 35 40% of the league had him anywhere in those top 32 picks, was worthy of a first-round draft pick this year. Everyone, however, was hesitant. It was a coin flip whether or not they were going to do it. Everyone was hesitant because of the lack of starts. There is a firm threshold in the NFL with regards to a safety net, and the safety net being 25 college starts for college football players. Once you get to that 25 number, they feel like they have a large enough sample size. They know who you are. There's no outliers. There's no Mitch Trubisky's. There's no, uh, you know, uh, Trey Lance's. There's no um, – there's a bunch of these one-year starters in college football that have really flamed out. Oh, how about this one? Mac Jones, right? There's no none of these. These first-year starters, we really got to have these large sample size to feel safe about these guys. But in terms of a physical skill set and how he performed, uh, I'm not going to say there's very little room for improvement, but how much better can you get than, uh, you know, basic all like – I think he was 200 yards short of the school record for yardage. He smattered – I mean, smashed the uh, – the school record for completion percentage. And again, he was second in the country in third down conversion rates, which for me as an evaluator, like third, I live, I live, eat, sleep, and breathe on third down. Like that is the game. If you, if you are great on third down, in my opinion, you are a great quarterback. He was phenomenal on third down last year. Brooks, uh, I know disclaimer NFL is different. And we talked to you about college. I know that, but um, just my personal knowledge, Cedric Van Pran, love, love, love that kid. Tell me anything that is a particular, maybe a pink flag for him as a draft pick, mm-hmm. other than the fact that NFL teams don't draft centers high. Um, and anything that you think is a particular advantage, because I think somebody's going to get a great ball player. And I've, I see third or fourth round. Yeah, uh, the only red flag you're going to see, and this I don't even know if it'll get brought up, but it probably will because he's going to the combine. I don't think he has relatively long arms. 
um, which is something the NFL worries about, particularly with, you know, defense tackles. Like, it's a, it's a metrics league, right? It's a high weight speed. How long are you? How tall are you? How fast are you? How strong are you? Um, the one knock he's going to have is, is, is the arm length. And I will say this. There's some kind, if he ever gets beat on tape, it's because someone captures an edge on him because his arms just aren't long enough. There are sometimes it pops up on tape, but we're talking about a guy who was, I don't think he was ever a first-team All-American, but he was borderline All-American for three years it felt like as a starter at Georgia. Um, he's the cleanest I've seen come out, right? It's been, since I've been covering him, it's been Lamar Gallard, Trey Hill, and then him. He has no flags except for the physical one in terms of arm length. And to be honest, like, Everyone tries to mock him to the Philadelphia Eagles because Jason Kelsey retired, all that stuff. He's not one of those athletes. I don't feel like Jason Kelsey, I think a lot of people forget. That dude's, first of all, he's a Hall of Famer. Second of all, he was a high school running back. Think about that. He played high school running back. That's how great of an athlete that human being is. His short shuttle at the NFL Combine was elite. Cedric's not a lateral, like, elite football player. He's an elite mind. He's an elite North and South football player. And he's, a, he's an overall elite football player, but there are some knots, like you said. Uh, last one for me, and, and that is on a guy that every time I saw him or called one of his games, I, I didn't go in thinking that he'd be a key player, and then he was always wide open, and that's Ladd McConkey. Like, I, I, I don't know what he runs in the 40. I, I don't care. I just know that every time he plays, he gets open and he catches passes. So it looks like he kind of showed his stuff pretty well uh, at one of the combines or one of the uh, the, the senior bowl out there, it's, you had yeah. some people raving about him. Where does he stand right now? Uh, so I, here, here's the deal about Lad, and I th- it's so funny because people are like, man, he he he'll, he'll surprise you. You hear Terry on Arnold talk about this, man. He'll surprise you, right? He'll run up on. Ain't nothing surprised that like people in the building know how fast and, and explosive this human being is. I, I have a feeling he's going to go to the NFL Combine. He's going to run somewhere somewhere sub four 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 in the forty. He will jump somewhere at near or above 40 inches in the vertical. Um, and his short shuttle, his meaning his 5'10 5 uh, agility drill, I think he's going to go at somewhere near four seconds. Like, this is one of the more uh, explosive human beings packed in 190-pound bodies that ever walked through Georgia. Um, and that is the reason why he was ranked a quote-unquote three-star. I think he was outside the top 1,300 in the consensus rankings coming out of North Murray High School. And I think within 18 months, he sent Jermaine Burton to the portal. And Jermaine Burton, by the way, is an NFL football player. He's going to be an NFL football player, too. So, like, there, there was a lot of talent there that a lot of people overlooked um, and Georgia knew about. Georgia saw the burst and explosion in that human on the basketball court. I think Kirby offered him on a ba- at a basketball game hmm. at North Murray High School. So, yeah, I think people get shocked by because, let's be honest, it's the way he looks. Mm-hmm. But he is extremely, extremely explosive. I had a source tell me they think he's like Antonio Brown. Like Antonio Brown was one of these human beings Sold. that was five foot ten, five foot ten, one hundred eighty five pounds that led the league in, in both yards and receptions outside, outside the numbers. It's a small human doing it outside, and if you're going to do that outside the numbers, like Lad McConkey did in the SEC, by God, you better be explosive. And that's exactly what eighty four was and is for George. Brooks, quickly here, because we're up against it. Uh, when we next we convene for SEC football, Texas and Oklahoma are going to be a part of the mix. No more divisional format. Give me a top five next year in the SEC, and is Alabama part of that top five? Oh, he squeezed me up on the horn and then gave me a top five. <laughs> oh, no pressure. Georgia, Georgia, Texas, Ole Miss, Alabama, LSU in that order. I think I forgot somebody. Tennessee, six. I don't know. I definitely forgot somebody. But, yeah, that, that would be mine. I, I think Georgia, 
and Texas are kind of above the rest of the conference. And then there's that leeway of, hey, Ole Miss, LSU, Alabama, which one of you dogs thinking to finish third? Um, and then the rest of the conference, I think, kind of hangs out. Uh, it still is weird to hear Ole Miss in there. But, I mean, they, they are going to be in every poll, hey, top five. There's no buy, doubt. You can, buy, you can buy your way to competitiveness nowadays in college football, baby. They are not lacking <laughs> NIL money in Oxford. There's a very wealthy alums that went to that what fine university. There's no doubt about it. I tell you what, you gave us a wealth of knowledge here, Brooks. Really appreciate the time. Keep up the great work at Dogs Daily. We'll see you, boys. Y'all have a good one. Our thanks again to Brooks Austin of Dogs Daily. Brooks doing great work. Appreciate him taking out the time. Coming up next in Unfinished Business, we talk about potentially the best Falcons road trip ever. We all know Chuck has a lot of random thoughts throughout the show. Why don't you have him cutting his penis off then, huh? And Matt likes to tell crappy jokes no one understands. Chuck, all due respect, what the f*** are you doing? So now, it's time to circle back on some stuff we didn't get to the bottom of. Why, 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 why? We now present to you Unfinished Business on Chuck and Chernoff. Welcome back, 680 The Fan, 93.7 FM. It's time to tie up some loose ends from earlier in the show. We had a bunch from earlier in the show today. Chuck, you were talking about the NFL international schedule, it expanding, and you talked about the Eagles and that Friday night game in September. Well, the Falcons are actually on the list of potential opponents. So where would this rank among road trips in Atlanta Falcons history? I mean, does does anything beat going to Brazil? Going to another uh, NFL stadium of some sort? Where would on, you put it up? On with? what scale? Like coolness? Yeah, just a fun tr- like that I, might I, max I, out on the coolness scale. Um, I I want to win. That's all. I, I want to win. I'm so bottom line and unfun now. Mm. <laughs> I've been affected. I've been affected. Single Chuck Oliver, a trip to Brazil, different or, deal. I was telling like they had an exhibition game back in Japan in the day when Jim Mora was the coach. All right, that sounds fun. It screwed up my team. I'm not fun anymore, Brian. I remember the Pro Football Hall of Fame game appearance in 94 when Perry Klein scored a touchdown and did a backflip. Do you remember that? At CW Post, the pride of, don't screw up my team. That's all I care about. I don't want him to play in London. We were wearing yeah. the 70s throwbacks, and the Chargers, who were still wearing the navy blue in those days, broke out the powder blue throwbacks. That was the 75th anniversary season of the National Football League. And so that's when the, I think the current throwback yeah. rage started that year, but, 1994. But let me tell you something. I, I've never been to Brazil. Uh, almost went on a guy's trip years ago. We get to the airport. We've got the ticket. We've got the passport. Uh, you, you swipe your thing, your, your passport in a little kiosk. Yeah. And it says, okay, great. Now swipe your visa. It's one of like three countries that is an American. You can't get there without a visa. So he said, no problem. We'll just we'll fill out whatever paperwork. we." No, sir, it doesn't work that way. You're going somewhere else. Wound up having to call an audible, went to Cabo. Still a cool trip. Uh, but Brazil's still on the bucket that list. That sucks. It, it did suck. It. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to tell the story, but, you know, I feel we're all family. I'm going to share it. Oi. I, w- I will tell you this. The vibe of players going to Europe, most of them don't seem to want to go. Not up real big on that whole cultural thing necessarily. I don't think they'll be fighting as hard to not go to Brazil. Something tells me. Well, and the thing, too, this game is being played on a Friday. Do they have to fly back 
right nah. away? You know, can they get the day out in uh, Rio or keep, wherever they might keep be Keep the playing? charter for another day or two? Yeah, I do know Brazil's a lot more fun than Philadelphia without having gone there. Yeah. So. Uh, Mike, during the crosstalk with Nick and Chris, you brought up the term hermaphroditic clowns, and I've been confused for like three and a half hours. Please explain. Please elaborate. I don't think I can. It's a family show. It's one of those. It's a scientific term. Uh and uh, I remember we, we learned about this in a class. I don't know what class this was, but let's just say. Biology, probably. Yeah, yeah. Anatomy. Now, if you didn't find out by now, you didn't look Some sort of extracurricular. Enough. Yeah, yeah. Let's just. Oh, how he paired those two words together? Mm-hmm. I think he was finding just some extremes. Okay. Yeah, I was just looking like for something off the wall. a word that you normally wouldn't associate, for instance, with clown. Right. Honestly, I don't know how that popped into my head. It just did, as my wife will tell you. My brain is a scary place, but uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know what, what was the context of that. What were we talking about? I guess like what Chuck had said with extremes, it kind of came out of it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, you took it there. But yeah, it wasn't extreme, <laughs> and so that qualified. Yeah, and, and he didn't he didn't build up to it either no. because his reference to the Gimp and Pulp Fiction followed that. Oh, that's right. I did make a Gimp so and Pulp Fiction. He oh, started strong, at ten yeah. and then came back down to like eight. Yeah, he dialed know. it down a notch. I'm very subtle, but you never know yeah. sometimes where I'm going to go. Westy, you said Kesho was your first concert after the pandemic. The people want to know what was your second. That's a great question. Second concert after the pandemic. Can I get back with you on that tomorrow? Debbie Gibson? Well, wait, what, how, any other concert that you went to after Kesha? It doesn't, maybe if it's not directly after. What was the last one you it's went to? It's not a deposition. You know? Just... Yeah, you can just, you can actually lie. This is okay, a, a lie was, situation. I, I recall a concert where I had to have the vaccination card. It was the mm. night the Braves won the World Series. I was in Columbus, Ohio, and I saw the indie rock band Beach Bunny at the Columbus Athenaeum. And then after the show, I went and watched the Braves finish off the Astros and win the World Series at Columbus, Ohio. Good enough? Of yeah. course you were there. You, yes. You handled that pressure very well. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Mike, you said a lot of random stuff today. That's uh, what I do. <laughs> you dropped this in earlier? You give him a taste of the oxy. Okay. And then you said <laughs> there's about three different Netflix specials you're going yeah, on yeah. about. What are they? Are they on Netflix? Are they on yeah. Amazon Prime? If people are more interested in finding out about the taste okay. of the oxy. I'm glad people know? are catching all my rather arcane references. So Painkiller is a like 10-part series on Netflix that's really good. And it's from the same guy uh, who did uh, who wrote Friday Night Lights. Right? Uh, who is that? Oh, what's his name? Guess. Oh, Buzz Bissinger? Uh, well, no. The, the, I mean, Buzz wrote it, but the guy who directed it. Oh, Peter Berg. Peter Berg. Peter Berg did that. He did uh, Lone Survivor. Anyway, so I saw that, which, again, was really, really good. And then there's another one. I can't remember the name of it. That was on Netflix at the exact same time. And there might be another one on Amazon Prime. So I, I recently I've seen all these. And, look, I know people – I know a lot of pharmaceutical reps because a lot of people that play mm-hmm. college football and they're looking for a job, they can't play Pro Bowl. That's the kind of people they want, famous people that are oh, competitive. can gain entree. What's that? Can gain entree. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then close the sale. Exactly. So I, I know – and I would be like, what are, you, what are you selling? And they would say Oxy. And I'm like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. And back then, it was considered like just normal. You know, you, you got to need a little painkiller. Uh, if you watch those documentaries, those, those series, they were selling them for the wrong reasons. They were intentionally getting people hooked to make a lot, a lot of money. 
is actually pretty disturbing if you break it down. Well, they did make a lot, a lot of money. Oh, they oh, made yeah. billions. Billions. Yes. The Sackler family, is that them? That's a good, nice poll. Good yes. folks, the Sackler Matthew family. Matthew Broderick plays Sackler. Solid. Mm. Matthew Broderick plays him in uh, Painkiller. I uh, want to bring back the uh, winging idea just for some of the people that chimed in on Twitter. So the woulda, coulda, shoulda draft pick your team didn't make. We mm-hmm. had Kevin Troy on Twitter said Chris Paul instead yes. of Marvin Williams. No also, Darren Williams was squeezed in between those two picks. He had a nice run for a couple of years. Uh, Rob says Jalen Carter instead of Bijan Robinson. So I know Jalen had graded out really well this yeah. past year. Um, and then Eddie with a throwback here, he said Tim Brown or Michael Irvin over Audre Bruce in, back in 1988. Yeah, any one of them would have worked out. He turned into a pretty good tight end for the Raiders, but he was picked first overall as a linebacker for the Falcons. I think the year the Cowboys took Quincy Carter, they could have had Ray Lewis. Or they could have had somebody who was like a stud, and they took Quincy Carter. I was doing a baseball oh, game yeah, in they, Athens when that happened. They reacted to the Tuasa Sopo. Apparently the Raiders had interest in uh, Quincy, and so Jerry yep. jumped, and he then jumped. the Raiders pivoted to Marquise Tuasa Sopo. I was in Athens when that happened, and Georgia people were laughing. They couldn't believe the Cowboys spent that high a draft pick on Quincy Carter. They saw enough of Quincy's magic in Athens. When Bill Parcells took over the Cowboys in 03, Quincy Carter won the competition for the starting quarterback job. 17 touchdown passes, 22 picks, and yet the boys still made the playoffs that year. Yeah, there you it's have Bill it. Parcells. All right, so we are near the end of the show here, but the good word is coming up. Chris Mooningham, Wiley Ballard standing by. Gentlemen, how are you, sir? And oh, sir. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? We're great. We're great. What is the good word today? Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we're at a great, great establishment that we're going to brag on a great deal and hope that we can get some free food. Wiley and I have already spoken about that. Uh, we had a plan coming in. We met in the parking lot an hour and a half earlier uh, to build our game plan to try to get some free food. And I think uh, we've got a really good idea of what we're going to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to try and do a mix of a hard sell from you and then a soft sell from me. And so you kind of come across as abrasive and then I'll kind of say, <laughs> hey, you know what? You know, let, he's he's kind of a little bit extreme. You know, just give me some stuff. You could have spent an hour and a half at the intersection with a spray bottle and paper towels and made enough money to pay for that food. Well, that's that's true, Chuck. <laughs> 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 Invested an hour and a half in this. We're not the thinkers you are, Chuck. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm a uh, doer. We're just here to get some free chicken get some and Windex, talk about football. Get some paper towels and go to work. <laughs> it's We're not gonna, too late. The show yeah. is going to be on again. I think the the big decision here will be: Do we want to go southern, mild, medium, hot, damn hot, or shut the cluck up? You notice how I said that very, very slowly. Well, with what we've covered today already, uh, that would be probably the least offensive. Yeah, that's way back. <laughs> uh, so you're 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 in the clear there, my friend. Uh, absolutely, Georgia Tech big uh, basketball win the other night. So I'm sure you'll talk a little uh, hoops as well. Yeah, no doubt. Look, this is a team that's still trying to figure themselves out. Um, they're young in some ways. They're inexperienced in some ways. And uh, you're going to see a back-and-forth season out of Georgia Tech basketball this year, much like the football team uh, in the fall. And, uh, look, anytime you go out and get 49 rebounds in a ball game against anybody, you're going to have a good chance of winning. Awesome. Well, you guys will be winning the uh, next hour. We will give it away the good word. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. 
You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we take pride in our family owned and operated business. Hi, I'm Stacy Ellis, Vice President of the Jim Ellis Automotive Group. When my granddad, Jim Ellis, founded our company in 1971, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, my dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family owned and operated automotive group. Today, third generation family members like myself, along with the support of more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values our company was founded on. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we try harder because we sincerely value your satisfaction. That's why we've been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of our 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, still family-owned and operated and where you can always expect the best. This is a 680 The Fan Podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune in to 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download the Fan app. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we take pride in our family-owned and operated business. Hi, I'm Stacy Ellis, Vice President of the Jim Ellis Automotive Group. When my granddad, Jim Ellis, founded our company in 1971, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, my dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. Today, third-generation family members like myself, along with the support of more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values our company was founded on. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we try harder because we sincerely value your satisfaction. That's why we've been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of our 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, still family-owned and operated and where you can always expect the best. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com.